we'll be reading through Mark 10, 13 through 16. Let the children come to me. Um, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, saying, laying his hands on them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. ago, Kim and I were watching a, a movie with her with her her niece, her little niece. It was a one of those cartoon Pixar type movies. I can't remember now which one it was. There's been so many of them. We've seen so many of them. But I remember these three little penguins in this movie. And it wasn't about the three penguins. The three penguins were kind of like the side story, the, the funny characters and and it was all animals. Animals were the, the main plot or, or characters in this story. Um, and they were in somewhere like California, somewhere warm. And these three penguins had this tunnel vision, this obsession, this drive to stop at nothing to make it to the Antarctic. They, they, they just were driven. That's all they talked about. That's all they tried to do over and over throughout the whole movie. They tried to make it to the Antarctic. And at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, they finally make it to the Antarctic. And this is the scene. It's just the three, the three penguins standing there, and the, the camera's on the back, and you see the, all you see them looking out into this rigid, cold, desolate land. And they all just three stand there, and one of them says, well, this stinks. <laughs> it wasn't at all what they had hoped for. And I thought, when I saw that movie, I thought to Kim, I said, isn't that life? Isn't that life? I mean, we, dr- we drive to obtain, to get, to achieve, and then once we have it, we're happy for about 30 minutes. And suddenly it wears off, and it, and it just isn't what it promised to be. Since little babies, since little children, all of us have this angst, this yearning, this, this needing something else. We could have the best parents, grow up in the greatest neighborhood, love all of our classmates at school, have the greatest teacher, and yet we'll go home at the end of the day and think there's just something missing. Ask anybody that has achieved a lot of stuff. We talked several weeks ago about Tom Brady and what Tom Brady said. They asked him, what is it like to be Tom Brady? I mean, you're it. And Tom Brady's reply was, there just seems to be something missing. So what is it? This is, this is how marketing, advertising in the world, even they, they know that that is inherent in each and every one of us and they dangle that out in front. It always seems like we're just one more, like, a, like 
$30,000 more a year away. If I can get $30,000 more a year, I'll be there. If I can get just a little bit bigger of a house or a little bit nicer of a car, maybe a second car or one more child or a child at all, or if I can get married or if I can get divorced, or maybe it's in the bottle, maybe it's in the drugs. What is driving as we look into this world? We have billions of people being absolutely driven. What's driving them? Where are they going? What are we trying to achieve? And Jesus Christ in this passage this morning, this small little passage, packs a huge punch. Because it shows us, one, not only what it is we all long for, but he shows us how to achieve it. And it starts with people bringing their children to Jesus to be blessed. Remember, they're still in, in Judea. We haven't left Judea, and we are each day, each step, each moment is a step, an inch closer to Jerusalem. He is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows that. He knows everything, all the implications of that. And so here they're still in Judea, and, and there's people lining up to bring their children. Now when he says children, what they mean is little children, like babies, one-year-olds, two-year-olds, very small children. And we know that because Luke's account of this tells us that. Mark leaves that out, but Luke tells us that. But also the, the Greek word that Mark does use here indicates that as well. So these are small children. These are babies. And, and we know that we live, this is a, a time where, where children are marginal, they're, they're marginalized. They're not thought of highly at all. They did, there was no value on children. It was a society that depended heavily on labor and being able to uh, produce for the community. If you couldn't produce for the community, nobody wanted anything to do with you. And also, this is a time where uh, infant death was high. And so, uh, people just kind of ignored children until they're about 12 years old. Once they could swing a hammer or help in the kitchen, then all of a sudden, they became valuable. So we know that, but, but we have to also understand that that didn't mean that parents didn't cherish their children, right? I mean, parents just inherently cherish their children. And so, though society as a whole shunned children, the parents themselves would have loved their children like we love our children. And so picture this. Picture this. It's a, it's a hectic way of life. There's lots of stuff to do. But we hear Jesus is not too far. It's kind of a, it's kind of a haul. And what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to sacrifice this day's work and stuff like that. But it's worth it because we got this baby that we love. Our little baby daughter. Or our little baby son. And we want, we want the rabbi to touch our son or our daughter. And so we collect our baby, we collect our things for the journey, we leave behind that day's, the day's chores at the, at the cost of that building up. This is at a cost, but it's worth it. And we're excited to, to have the rabbi, this Jesus, this one that we've heard about, touch our baby. And the reason why we want him to touch him is because it was a blessing. That's what we're after. We want this rabbi to bless our child, which was a custom on that time. Rabbis would bless children and they would bless people. But this was kind of special, right? This is a famous rabbi. The, 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 there's nobody now who doesn't really know or at least have heard of this Jesus guy. We already have seen opinions run all over the place as to exactly who he is. But we're not taking a chance. We're not taking, we want, to be, we want our child to be 
Watch, with the infant, with the infant death rate and everything else, man, it, it can't hurt. And so we're excited. We're in, we're in line. You can picture this. We're standing in line, holding our baby, all the other parents holding their baby, and we're talking to one another. And you know how that goes, right? Everybody's kid is special. Everybody's kid is, you know, above average. You know, mine's already almost crawling. Mine's already, you know, doing push-ups. And you know how that goes, right? If there was cell phones at the time, they would have been out flicking through the pictures, showing the pictures, loving on one another, right? This is that scene. We're, we're bragging about our kid. We're hearing the brags of other kids, not really believing them. And, and, and we're moving in line, and we're stepping up, and there's Jesus there. He's right there. We're only a few moments away from Jesus blessing our baby. We're, we're, exo- we're so excited, filled with anticipation. And suddenly we see or from over here come 12 of the disciples, his disciples, coming out, running towards us. And we think, what's going on? And the disciples get there, turn to us, and go, what do you think you're doing? Take your children and get out of here. This is a busy man. He doesn't have time for you and your children. All the stuff he's got going on, get. How dare you waste his time like that? Can you imagine our hearts just sink, the disappointment so close to receiving this blessing and the disciples now begin to shoo people away. Maybe the ones that are more skittish have already began to, to journey home, not wanting to press anymore. Some people are angry. You can hear the, 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 the grumbling going on. We're just kind of confused and really, really disappointed. As I was thinking through this, I tried to remember of a time I was really, really disappointed. And, and it kind of fails in the comparison, but in, but in perspective, I was a little kid and I went to Cedar Point. And before going to Cedar Point, I did all this research on what was the best roller coaster at Cedar Point, and I found it. And so for weeks leading up to come, going to Cedar Point, I couldn't wait to ride this roller coaster. And this thing almost takes your head right off. I mean, this thing is amazing. I cannot wait to get on this roller coaster. And so we finally go. It's the time to go. We get to Cedar Point. And I run in right to that roller coaster. I locate the roller coaster. I run in. Of course, there's a sign there that says, if you're at this point, the line is about two and a half hours long. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. I can't wait. And so I stand in line. I sacrifice all the other rides, all my time at Cedar Point, two and a half hours, and an hour goes by. And then another hour, moving a half an hour away. And then we start to climb the stairs. And eventually, I was like, there was a couple in front of me, ready for the next train, and then I was next. And, and right as that train came, the gates didn't open for that couple. And I'm starting to get antsy, like, what's going on? And there was this five-minute delay, and finally over the loudspeaker, the most horrible rebuke I've ever heard in my young life at that time. The, the ride is closed for maintenance. <sighs> disappointment. Horrible disappointment. And you know that this is what these parents felt as the, the disciples rebuked them. And you know, you can tell a lot about a person. You can tell a lot about yourself. By what makes you angry? What stirs emotion in you? What, what gets at you? And this shows us about the disciples that they still had the minds of men, not of God. 
they still were being conformed to the ways of the world and society. They weren't yet being formed completely by the ways of God. Remember, Jesus has already made it very clear where he stands concerning children. He's made it very clear. And yet their anger, their rebuke to this parents, it just shows where their hearts are at. Now, in contrast, Jesus gets angry. In fact, he gets indignant. It's a stronger word than angry. It's about as strong of a word as you can have. It, in the dictionary, it says that indignant is a strong feeling of showing anger. It is what, at what is unfair treatment. See, when does is, when is Jesus get angry? Let's see. They hold of an illegal trial. They find him convicted, though, conv- uh, they convict him as guilty, though he's completely innocent. They whip him, they beat him, they bruise him, they slash him, they mock him. They kick him, they spit on him. And then they crucify him. Is he angry? Well, he prays for them. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Yet when he sees unfair treatment of others, and we notice this as we're standing in line and we're feeling depleted and and defeated and disappointed, we look at the rabbi and we can see on his face and dignity comes across as a facial expression, a body language. We see his indignation towards his disciples and we wonder what's going to happen. And he shouts out, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. We have to stop here. We have to realize how absolutely earth-shaking, universe-changingly shocking that statement is. I mean, shocking. Two reasons. One, as he moves closer to Jerusalem, he gets a little braver about his identity, does he not? Here he says, let the children come to me. Why? Because by coming to me, they are coming to the kingdom of God. He is unbashfully saying in this, that I am the kingdom of God reincarnate. I am God himself reincarnate. If you come to me, the children come to me, they come to the kingdom of God. No doubt if there was a a scribe or a Pharisee in earshot of that, they took note. Blasphemy. And and, and the people in line, if they would have heard this, we know the ranging of, of emotions. And even today, it's the same exact emotions. Some people would have thought, who does this guy think he is? I mean, I wanted my son blessed by the rabbi, but I don't know. (laughs) Now he's calling himself the kingdom of God. And to others, there was some sort of comfort. Some sort of comfort in the fact that he calls himself the kingdom of God. And the other thing 
that is shocking by this is that he says that the kingdom of God belongs to people. It belongs to children and people such as children. It belongs to babies and adults who are like babies. Who did they think in this time the kingdom of God belonged to? Scribes? Pharisees? The religious elite? The birthright of Israel? The entitled? The ups? The ins? Those that earned it. It was those that earned it that it belonged to. Jesus says no. No, it's babies. It's babies. See, babies can do nothing to earn the kingdom of God. And babies have nothing to offer. They're useless. They only bring need. And so he says, Truly I say, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So we need to discuss this. What does he mean by like a child? One of the greatest myths, it's a very popular one, and it's one I might have believed until I had a baby. It's this. All children are innocent. <laughs> if, you have, if you have kids, <laughs> it only takes you until about a week old before you realize. Vody Bachman, this preacher, he says, uh, he calls children vipers and diapers. <laughs> That's a little bit more accurate. I mean, if you want to see the fall of man, don't go to a ghetto. Have a child. Have a child. You can see the rebellion. Uh, nobody taught Ellie how to lie. I, I guarantee you that. She just knew how to do it. She just knew how to do it. They're not innocent. He's not saying that you must become like an innocent child, for ch- children are not innocent. They're not humble either. They're not necessarily giving. Their attributes are kind of wanting. That's why they need parents. You see, that that's the whole point. The one thing that every baby has in common is that it is absolutely helpless. If you have a baby and you neglect that baby, what happens to the baby? It dies. Death is the only thing a baby can achieve on its own. It is completely, 100% reliant on the grace, and the mercy, and the provision of its parents. It has nowhere else to go. It has no plan B. It just looks to mom and looks to dad for everything. For everything. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this. You come to me, you come to the kingdom of God, helpless, 
and poor, or you don't come at all. You come to me helpless and poor, or you don't come at all. People who aren't helpless, people who aren't poor, people who have self-righteousness, people who are filled with pride, people who think they've earned their right to the King of God, to, to the, king, the kingdom of God, or to Jesus Christ, he says, cannot receive the kingdom of God. Just the word receive. It's not earned, it's not merited, it's not obtained. Nobody obtains the kingdom of God. It's received. It's a gift that's given. It's out of grace. It's out of mercy. And those that are haughty in spirit, who, if we were to go out now, we would ask the, the general population, when you die, are you going to heaven or how? They would say heaven, because it's America and we're entitled to heaven. Right? Why? Because we're born in America. We're all good people. We're all genuinely good people. Based on what? Based on what I think good is. So if we say then to them, no, you need to put your, you need to receive the kingdom of God. You need to receive the gospel. There's this guy, Jesus Christ, who died for you. What do they do? I'm not taking that. I'm not receiving that. You can't tell me how to believe. But what about the one that has truly come to the end of themselves? Broken, shattered into pieces. Needle in their arm, bottle of whiskey in their hand. Children long gone, wives long gone. Broken to the core. In that moment, he might receive. Jesus says, don't hinder that. Don't hinder those children from coming to me. And yet, this is a world filled of hindrance. Because for that person, in that gutter, at that bottom, does the world come and offer all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. All Satan's plan to hinder them from coming to Jesus Christ. And even us, in our own posture, as we've been blessed beyond measure to know Jesus, to know the kingdom of God, we must always check our own haughty spirits to remember that it isn't in this relationship. I don't have this relationship with the kingdom of God, with Jesus Christ, because of how many times I go to church, or I have the right doctrine, or I read the Bible faithfully, or because I did anything. I have it because I am helpless. I have it because I'm helpless. I am like a baby child. Without Jesus Christ, the best I can do is die. No eternal life for me. And then he says, Truly I said, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, this gift like a child shall not enter it. What does it mean to enter the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus Christ shows us in verse 16. 
He says, and he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying hands on them. Everything you seek that angst in your gut from since you were a little kid, that drive as we watch the billions of people busy trying to obtain, trying to achieve, trying to to get there, to arrive, to find it empty, they're all looking for this. This is the angst put in every man, woman, and child. Picture yourself now, right now, in the loving embrace of Jesus. Feel his arms around you. Place your head on his bosom. Feel him place his hand upon your head and speak your name and call down from heaven a blessing upon you. What else do you want? What else is there to do? Where do you got to go? What do you have to prove in that moment? In his arms. Do you want for anything else? This is where his children belong. Brothers and sisters, we are his children. This is the gospel. This is where we belong. We are to live our lives embraced by Christ, resting on Christ. All that we do needs to be done from this position. And how then can we not proclaim the gospel as we watch our fellow neighbors and our fellow co-workers and our fellow family members and our friends of old and just the passerby stressing himself out strenuously trying to get to Antarctica. We know we've been there. It stinks. To tell them to stop, stop. You're miserable. You're depressed. You're angry. You're overwhelmed. You're filled with anxiety. Because you are trying to get out of this world what only Jesus Christ can give. Please come to the arms of Christ. I know this is why, this is because I found it and you found it. This is our proclamation. We belong in the arms of Christ. We belong listening to Him. Our, our names come out of His mouth, hearing a blessing upon us. David knew it in Psalm 42. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? We do so when we receive Jesus Christ. We become his child. 
It's in that embrace that we must stay. Yet we know that it's not always easy to stay there. Amen? We find ourselves not in the embrace of Christ, but back under the demands of the world, demands of the law, the demands of our own desires. We continue to seek, even though we have already found. And so why is that? And that's what next week's sermon is going to be. In the next passage, Jesus exposes the things that hinder us from staying in his grasp, staying in his embrace. But rest assured, this is where we belong. We belong in the embrace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Heavenly Father, God, God, first of all, woe is me if I've ever been somebody who has hindered a child from coming to you, if I've ever offered any other hope, any other false hope in which I could dream up or our best and greatest minds can dream up or anything that this world can offer, Father, if I have offered that instead of you, forgive me. Forgive me. Let me learn from the disciples here, God, and not be conformed to this world but transformed by staying in your embrace, by knowing your love for me intimately, by feeling your arms around me, by placing my head into your shoulder and resting. It's in that position, in that position alone, that I receive everything I've always looked for. It is the gospel, the very gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of you. So, Father, forgive me for my wandering. God, and those of us this morning, maybe, maybe we're here this morning and we have found that we have wandered from that position. Maybe this is a, almost a, a distant memory to us to even hear our names being proclaimed by Jesus, to hear his, our names being spoken by him. Maybe it's just a memory of that time when we felt his embrace. God, I pray that this morning, this morning is the morning that we take inventory of all the ways that we've been haughty and prideful and self-righteous and that we would repent of those ways and become like little children, helpless and poor desperately needing Jesus and Jesus alone. That we might feel that embrace again, that it won't be anew. We can hear our name spoken again. We can receive that blessing from God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.